Hi, Oddings. It's your Ate Sapphire. Today, we're diving in the deep end for stories all about water. First, we'll stop by Scotland where the legendary Kelpie lives. Then special guest storyteller Andrew Tate shares a tale about a hotel security guard's run-in at the pool. And then we'll finish with a conversation with Andrew where we talk about his real-life horror podcast, Let's Not Meet. I receive hundreds of amazing story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that I've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you want more from Something Scary, join our Patreon for extra perks. Check it out at patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? The Kelpie. The following story is based on a submission from V in Scotland. Until I was 13 years old, I lived in a small village in Scotland. It was a very peaceful and serene area with a gentle river not too far away. I lived in a house with my mother and grandmother. I'd never met my father. I figured he left the family before I was born. Neither my mother nor grandmother ever talked about him, so I never really asked about him. It was the morning before my 13th birthday. My mom came into my room and sat on my bed. She jokingly asked if I wanted a unicorn for my birthday. Like most little girls, I had a horse phase, but I was slowly growing out of it. So I just told her that I'd love some more books. There actually was something that I wanted for my birthday, but I didn't think my mom would be happy about it. I'd be fine with just the books. I loved to read after all. One of my favorite things to do was go out into the nearby forest, lean against my favorite tree and read a book. And that's what I did later that day. I tucked my copy of Where the Red Fern Grows under my arm and walked to my spot. I was lost in my book for maybe 15 minutes when I was interrupted by a sound. It sounded like the neigh of a horse. I thought it was really odd, so I decided to see where it was coming from. It led me to the river. Standing by the water was the most beautiful and majestic white horse I'd ever seen. Its coat was smooth and shiny. Its mane was long and luxurious. It turned its sparkling black eyes toward me, and I felt compelled to go closer. I know it sounds strange, but 12-year-old me felt as if the horse was asking me to ride it. I didn't hear the words, but I felt it inside me. It was so weird. I continued to approach the magnificent beast when I heard my mother's voice, not in my head, but echoing among the trees. I snapped out of my trance and began to walk back home, bidding the mysterious horse goodbye. At the dinner table, I told my family about the horse that I saw. They both stopped and looked at me. Are you sure it was a horse that you saw? My mother asked. The forest can play tricks on your eyes. I'm positive it was a horse, I replied. It was so beautiful. What do you think it was doing out there? I don't know what it was you saw, but you should probably stay away from the river. It's not safe. I remember feeling really confused and frustrated by their response to my experience. Why didn't they just believe me? 
The next morning, I woke up to my mom singing happy birthday to me in my room. She said my grandma had gone into town for a special birthday surprise so we would celebrate when she got back. My mom asked me what I wanted to do while we waited and I told her that I was really close to finishing my book and just wanted to do that. So I went back to my favorite spot and began to read. Moments later, I heard someone calling my name. V. Hey, V. I looked up and there was a kind looking woman, possibly in her 20s, peering from around a tree. You're Douglas's daughter, no? I cocked my head at her in disbelief and replied, how did you know? She smiled warmly and gestured for me to follow her. He wanted you to have this for your 13th birthday. Come, now. I knew I wasn't supposed to follow strangers deeper into the forest. I knew that. But she knew who I was, so maybe she wasn't a complete stranger. I closed my book and followed her. She led me to the same clearing by the river I was at yesterday. And there it was. The same white horse. It's all yours, dear. Happy birthday. The horse seemed to nod its head at me, almost as if reassuring me that, yes, all of this was true. My father was out there somewhere and sent this horse as my birthday gift. I had so many unanswered questions, but in that moment, all of my concerns sort of drifted away. The only thought on my mind was that I needed to ride that horse. It was even more gorgeous up close. As if under a spell, my hand reached out to stroke its mane. But after one stroke, I realized something was very wrong. My hand was stuck. It wouldn't come off. While I frantically tried to pry it off, I heard the woman laughing maniacally behind me. Then suddenly, a gunshot. I turned around to see the woman's body on the ground morph into the body of a dead black horse. And a few feet away was my grandmother, aiming a gun right at me with a cake box at her feet. Please forgive me, V. Now hold still. I ducked my head and felt liquid fire tear through my fingers. She had shot my hand. I grabbed my bleeding digits with my other hand and screamed wildly. But, but I was free. I ran toward my grandmother while the horse's body began to shrivel and fall into the river. After my grandmother had bandaged my hand and I had calmed down, I asked her what the hell happened back there. I am so sorry, V, she said, but I had no choice. That Kelpie was going to drag you into the river and drown you. Kelpie? What's a Kelpie? They're malicious horses that live near the water. They can shapeshift into human beings to try and trick you into riding their sticky bodies. That's actually how your father died. I took a moment to let that new information sink in. But why didn't we move? Why didn't we leave this area? Because we didn't want to believe that's what happened, V, my mother cried. We moved to the city shortly after, far away from any large body of water. I may have lost a piece of me that day, but I also got my birthday wish. I finally learned the truth. And now, more Something Scary.
This next story comes from Amy and is read by Andrew Tate. Like I said earlier, he is the host of the Let's Not Meet podcast, where he reads the best real-life horror stories from the subreddit of the same name. So make sure you check out his show after this, because I also guest read a couple stories on his latest episode. I'm a security officer. This story takes place in a South Texas downtown hotel during wintertime. I've had many odd encounters in this hotel, from creeps trying to make a pass at me, to having to tackle people who are trying to hurt someone. I've dealt with a lot of drunks and meth heads. I thought nothing would surprise me at this point. And then this happened. So, it was late November, and it was very cold. Mind you, this is South Texas, so for us, 20 degrees Fahrenheit is quite chilly. Especially since the wind made it even colder. It was a Saturday night. Normally I'm alone doing my night shift from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. on weekdays. However, on Fridays and Saturdays, it is a group of five security officers, since those are the days that most people go out and get drunk. And this hotel was next to the popular bars and clubs. My partner, a good friend, Felix, was with me on the first floor where the pool was. It was two in the morning. Pool hours were over for the day, so it was empty and dark. I'm still not sure why we decided to take our break outside in the cold that night, but that's what we did. We were chatting in a zone that was off-limits for the hotel guests, reminiscing about our first days on the job. I remember the first couple of night shifts I ever did, I said. I was so loopy because I hadn't adjusted to the new sleep schedule yet. Kept seeing things out of the corners of my eyes. Suddenly, we heard footsteps. My first instinct made me take out my flashlight and scan the area. Felix was non-commissioned, meaning he couldn't have a weapon, so he also took out a flashlight and scanned the area. I had more training than he did, so I kept my hand on my holster. With authority, Felix called out. Show yourself! Nothing. But we heard footsteps again, then the sound of the chain-link fence rustling, and then gagging and choking. Our lights landed on a tall Caucasian man, around 5'10", with light brown hair, a short beard, and light blue eyes, wearing red flannel, khaki pants, and no shoes. He was absolutely soaked and dripping from head to toe. He must have been freezing. His pupils were dilated even with the light in his face. He hunched over and continued coughing out water. Hey, I called to him. Are you okay? No response. I wondered if he didn't speak English. I spoke in French, Italian, Spanish, German, to see if I could get a response, still nothing. While I tried to get an answer out of him, Felix was on the walkie-talkie with the hotel manager letting him know the situation. Do you have a room here? I continued to inquire. The man shook his head and shrugged, and then he began to walk away, quickly. Felix and I began to follow closely behind. He entered the hotel through the emergency exit door that we had left open, and I regret having done that. He grabbed the doorknob of a room, but it didn't open. He continued to walk further into the hotel, increasing his speed, while Felix and I trailed behind. The man began to pick up speed and turn down a hallway. We lost eyes on him for not even two seconds, 
and when we turned around the corner, he was already far down the hall, about to open the employee's only stairwell. You need a key card to open that door, so I was relieved to know that it was a dead end for him. But then it opened. The only two reasons that made sense to me were that he was actually an employee or he stole a key card. Now, when I opened the stairwell door, the stairs were empty and we couldn't hear any footsteps echoing above or below us. Where the hell did he go? By this time, the other officers had joined us and we split up to check the top floors, the basement, the parking lot, the lobby. The man was nowhere to be found. I remembered that the man was soaking wet, so we started looking for puddles of water, any trail that would lead us to him. We retraced the path that we chased him on, but it was completely dry. It had only been five minutes since the man appeared. That would not have been enough time for any water trails that he may have left behind to dry up. We decided to check the stairwell security footage to see if we could see where he went. We watched closely, waiting for him to appear through the door. The door opened. But it was just Felix and I. So we rewound the tape further back. But there was absolutely no footage of that man entering the stairwell. My head was spinning. None of this made sense. We described the man to the front desk clerks to see if they remembered anyone checking in that matched that description. But that went nowhere. They turned to Felix, my forehead wrinkled in confusion. That man! He was really there, right? Like, we didn't imagine all of this. Oh, he was real, Felix said. He was definitely real. It's been a year or so since this incident, and I think about it every day I work at that hotel. I wonder if he'll ever show up again. A huge thank you to Amy for submitting that creepy story, and Andrew for reading it to us. If you love his soothing voice like I do, you need to check out his podcast, Let's Not Meet. So Andrew and I sat down for a conversation to talk about his show, and it sort of devolved into this existential meltdown that possibly led to a new podcast creation. I had a lot of fun chatting with him, and I hope you enjoy listening to it. Hey, everyone. So today I have a very special treat for the podcast. I have Andrew Tate, who is the host of the Let's Not Meet podcast. Um, say hello, Andrew. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm very excited for this. Um, so first, why don't you let my listeners know a little bit about what your podcast is and how it came to be? Right. So Let's Not Meet is uh, sort of birthed from the subreddit, uh, Let's Not Meet, which are true horror stories about encounters with stalkers, weirdos, murderers, serial killers, all that type of stuff. Um, so I kind of started it up because there wasn't a podcast dedicated specifically to these type of stories. Um, and mm -hmm. I, I felt like that was my calling. So I just jumped on it. So why do you feel like it was your calling? Well, uh, it kind of goes back to what inspired me to start a podcast period as far as a uh, horror storytelling podcast goes. Um, when I was a kid, I used to record my own stories onto a cassette tape on my little boombox. Um, <laughs> I would make up voices and characters, and I often imitated the... Uh, the Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt, because that mm. was a favorite of mine when I was a kid. Now, what kind of opened me up to uh, 
horror in the audio format, which I think is more effective than a movie or a TV show, was my dad brought home a, a cassette compilation uh, called Old Time Radio's Greatest Mysteries. And there were a lot of shows like Suspense, uh, The Weird Circle, Dark Fantasy, all these different shows on these cassette tapes that my dad brought home. And uh, I would put them on. And what I realized in listening to them was my imagination was so much scarier than all of the movies and the TV shows that I watched when I would Mm. listen to these stories the way they would describe the villain or the monster or whatever ghost or entity was uh, the adversary in these shows would be so much scarier in my brain than they probably should have been. <laughs> right. What do you? Why do you think we love to scare ourselves? Um, I think if if everything in life were just flowers and everybody getting along and everybody happy and there weren't any (laughs) horrors in the world, it would be awful. Heaven sounds like a nightmare to me. (laughs) And I'm I'm not religious, and I'm not necessarily not religious. I'm a very agnostic person, but like the perfect world seems like a nightmare to me. As you already know, uh, my listeners love ghost stories. Yes. So I wanted to know what your thoughts on the paranormal are, and if you are a believer or a skeptic. So... I am a self-proclaimed conspiracy theorist. I believe in, I don't want to say I believe in, but I entertain the uh, validity of almost all of these supernatural stories that come about. Um, Okay. uh, I come from a religious upbringing. Uh, I'm not really religious myself anymore, but uh, being raised, I was told any of these types of things like ghosts, or evil spirits or hauntings are satanic. They're evil. You know what I mean? They're they're demons. That's right. that's that's what it always was when I was raised. Um, so I kind of uh, grew up with the preconceived notion that oh yeah, these things are real and they're the devil. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Same. But now you know because of the internet and because of everybody sharing their stories and a lot of them corroborate with things that I've experienced personally. It's it would be silly not to believe and something that we just don't experience in the regular day-to-day life, uh, right. everyday type of thing. Um, yeah, I do 100% believe in these types of things. That's why I was excited to tell a story on your show. <gasps> Yay! <laughs> um, I, I love that you are a believer. Um, usually something that I like to tell people who usually are like, oh, like, eh, science hasn't been able to prove it, then it's not real. But it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know what, if you go back, people used to view the rising of the sun as a supernatural event. There's like a god that or something, some weird like entity thing that is like moving the light into the sky and then away. But obviously now we know we have an understanding of what the sun is, how it there, moves. I, I am while I am a conspiracy theorist and I am a believer of a lot of uh, supernatural things. I am also open, and even in my own stories, I am also open to a uh, logical explanation to things. But at the same yes. time, even the logical explanation, while we may have a an understanding of like the sun rising, like sure, we understand that. 
But at the same time, while we do understand that, how is how do we know that is not some kind of living <laughs> being that that isn't a god? You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like we don't still we still don't even know why we exist. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you down this rabbit hole. I <laughs> recently have been obsessed with simulation theory. And that we are all kind of a giant Sims game to some Mm -hmm. higher beings. And every day, every day, I'm more and more convinced that everything we're doing is just a simulation. If you look at it this way, we have the game The Sims. We have The Sims 1, 2, and 3. And each each interpretation of that game, it's gotten more and more advanced. And while these these characters in these Sims have, and I'm sorry, I'm sending you down a rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> I know, I I'm love asking it. that all of your listeners just just ride with me on this. Uh, so <laughs> while we these Sims are pre-programmed, they you can watch them live their lives. They're doing things, even though they're pre-programmed, they are still doing things that maybe these little sentient beings... I think it's their own free will. Maybe they do think that uh, that is their own free will. And they're going around taking showers and watching TV and getting jobs Mm -hmm. and becoming doctors. And that's insane. That's insane that we have a video game that does that. And Mm -hmm. we can control it, but they don't know they're being controlled. You know, why is it so crazy to think that we are so advanced and so smart (laughs) that we have our own free will and all the things that we've done, all the amazing things like cell phones and the Internet and all these things we've created, you know what I mean? It's all right. because of us. Maybe it's just some higher beings playing The Sims. <laughs> and that, and that's us. And actually, that kind of reminds me of this thing that I remember from an episode of Cosmos. Do you watch that show? I love Cosmos. I love the original and the new one. I love it. Yeah. So this was from the new one. And there was like an episode that I will never freaking forget. And this just reminded me of it because um, so Neil deGrasse Tyson is talking about how like the distance between two atoms is astronomical when you like magnify it enough, right? Like two atoms never actually touch. So if you think of like our Earth and the other like neighboring galaxies, you know, that distance is obviously pretty great too. The two atoms in my hand, you know, all these atoms are making up my hand. So what's to say that like, God, what am I trying to say? No, you're on to it. You're on to something. You know what I'm trying to say? Where it's like, who's to say that these galaxies are not also just a giant hand? Exactly. And when it comes down to it, what is anything? (laughs) What is anything? We think we know it all. We have these little explanations for everything. But when it comes down to it, everything, we we think we've zoomed in on everything, but we could zoom in even farther if we had more power and we we would, maybe we would find like a bunch of little people inside of us. You There's know what I mean? There's a microscopic world that yes. like we are not aware of, but like exactly. the, those little like, what do you call it? There's like a water bear, that really ugly thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like we don't see that, but there's and, a bunch of stuff floating around like that. And those things are the things of nightmares when you really look at them. <laughs> oh my God. I hate them. I hate them They're so They're so much. creepy. They just make me feel the worst <laughs> you know this this is the best conversation i've had and it's just a stupid interview for my stupid podcast and already i'm convinced that we should start our own conspiracy theory podcast <gasps> oh my god i I'm would just, love that i'm just teasing it well maybe we'll talk about it but so far this has been pretty good <laughs> <laughs> i love i love talking about this shit where it's just having everything i know be turned upside down 
if it's yeah, right or absolutely. wrong, I don't care. I just love thinking. Because who can, yep. no, we're not right about, we, you know, who can be certain about anything? And science <laughs> science changes every century. We're like, oh, we were wrong about yes, that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We used to like just bleed people thinking that it would heal them. And now we know not to do that. So it's like, what else are we getting wrong? <laughs> but then again, there are people that can be healed with the with the power of belief for in some way. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. That's, that's, that's bizarre that that still does happen. And most of the time it doesn't, <laughs> but sometimes <laughs> it does. You yeah. know what I mean? That's crazy. Ugh, yeah. Oh my God. Anyway. I miss, I, I, I know, I love this conversation so much where, oh my God, I need to just like sit alone after this and be like, what yeah. am I? So we were talking about the paranormal and stuff. Exactly. So personal you did, experiences. You did mention that you had a personal paranormal experience. Yes, and I'll try to make it short. Um, it's it's very it's a very simple story. It's not as compelling as most stories. Um, so this started off pretty early in my life when I was a kid. I would get sleep paralysis and I would see shadow people in my Oof. bedrooms. And I'm sure yeah. you're familiar with those. Uh, mm-hmm. Since the internet, everybody has sort of. Uh, figured out what these are or at least uh there's a connection around the world of people that have had that experience um so i would see shadow people a lot and i would get sleep paralysis and i would have these these dreams where i would be out of my body like i was what i recently learned is astral projection Mm. um that would happen to me a lot now that was something that i kind of grew out of and eventually stopped experiencing um, I didn't experience anything supernatural from maybe the age of eight till about 17. Now, when I was 17, uh, you know, this was like 2000, I don't know, 2004, 2005. I, so I had like that brick Nokia cell phone. I didn't have a way to take pictures. I didn't have a way to look up what I was experiencing, but I was on my way home and I saw this big bright light in the sky and it started getting closer to me and coming oh down and it got bigger and bigger, but it was silent. It wasn't a helicopter. It wasn't a plane. I don't know what it was. I pulled over and I looked out, out my window. I rolled down my window, looked out my window, and it was just there hovering above me on the highway. And, you know, I came from a small town. So this was something that there was one person around when it happened. Uh-huh. It was uh, this Indian gentleman that pulled over at the same time. Uh, I talked to him. As best I could, but he didn't really speak English. We both just kind of like, were like, what in the hell are we looking at? What is that? And then it slowly just ascended back up into the sky, got smaller and disappeared. And I had no explanation for that whatsoever. And that's not even the weird part. Uh, when I went home and went to bed, uh, I had sleep paralysis. I had the whole shadow person experience that I hadn't had since I was eight years old. And then when I got out, I, I, I went out of my house into my car to go to work the next morning. I looked up at my window, which is the second story of my parents' house. And there mm-hmm. was a handprint outside of my window that was in black. And the only way for there to be a handprint outside of my window is if somebody had a ladder because there was no balcony and no tree, no way up there. So I went back into my house. I went upstairs. I reached outside next to my window because it was a hand pointing towards my window as if somebody was peering in. And I kind of swabbed the outside with my finger and I, <laughs> and I looked at my finger and it was like ash. It wasn't like paint or Whoa. dirt. It was ash. It just kind of flaked away 
when I, I rub my fingers together. And I, 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 this could all be coincidence. Maybe there were some people cleaning the gutters or doing something, some power line construction. You know, I try to think of as skeptical as possible, but uh, it all correlates. It all connects to one single night of all of these things that I experienced that I hadn't experienced since I was a child. And I had never seen anything like that bright light in the sky and the handprint outside of my window. And since right. then, I've had multiple experiences of uh, sleep paralysis, astral projection, uh, shadow people. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if it's extraterrestrial. I don't I have no explanation for it whatsoever, other than a lot of people experience these types of things, and it's exactly the way other people have described it. Whoa. So um, that's my supernatural experience, and that was kind of what turned me back onto it uh, from being a skeptic for so many years. Uh, I was like, okay, this is weird. This has to be real. I think that because those things all happen in the same time, it could have something to do with some kind of interdimensional being or possibly extraterrestrial. And I probably lost all of my listeners by telling this story because they, <laughs> they think I'm crazy now. Oh my God. Did that, you like, this is the dumbest question, but did you like keep a sample of that? Like I didn't, on the window? I didn't, I know, <laughs> but I did show my parents. I did show my parents and they can yeah. definitely corroborate the story because they were like, what the hell is that? Uh, and eventually it just throughout time just sort of faded away and I forgot about it. I moved out shortly after that. When I turned 18, I moved out of the house and I just forgot about it. Uh, I wish I would have, but it was definitely <laughs> an ashy substance. Like it wasn't yeah. dirt. It wasn't paint. It was ash. That was what was weird about it to me. Oh man. Uh, what's your, what are your thoughts on aliens? Well, I've definitely seen UFOs. Oh. Yeah. I've done a lot of watching just sitting outside because I came from a small town, not a lot of lights. Um, I could see all the stars. I could see a lot of stuff. I've seen those bright lights moving around way faster than any plane or jet could do doing weird, uh, patterns up in the sky. Didn't make sense. It could just be some type of government experiment. Who knows? Um, but I've seen that. I've seen a lot of it, actually. I absolutely believe that there are, I don't, I don't want to call them aliens, but it could be interdimensional. Right. There is definitely something out there. All these stories about abductions, about UFO sightings, all these videos of UFO, UFO sightings, all of these stories that are so similar from people all over the world, they can't just be made up. Yeah. That's not a good explanation to me. Um, so I, I think that while I, 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 I'm not saying it's aliens, I'm not saying it's something that's <laughs> interdimensional. I'm not saying it's ghosts. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I know that it's <laughs> something that we, we don't understand, but it is, I do believe that it's real because I've experienced it. And again, I lost all of my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure. No, people are going to take this. I love this. So where can listeners find Let's Not Meet and any other projects that you've been working on? So if you just Google Let's Not Meet Podcast, uh, the website will come up or you can just go to letsnotmeetpodcast.com. It'll have a link to my Facebook, my Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Let's Not Meet Cast. Um, I post new episodes every Sunday. Um, I try to have guests on every other week like yourself. Uh, I'm, I'm very pleased to have had you on this, this last episode. And uh, I do 
do horror fiction writing. Uh, there was a short break that I took from Let's Not Meet where I had a podcast called All Deadly Things, which were my own horror fiction stories. Um, however, I couldn't keep up with that. I tried to. I got two stories out and then I realized like, oh, wow, this is going to be like two to three months between every episode because I, I just couldn't crank out that many original stories. Uh, so I am, uh, continuing to write and I am writing for some different horror podcasts. I can't say which ones right now, but if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'll keep you updated as soon as, uh, that, that moves forward. And that's, that's kind of all I got going on right now. Cool. I mean, that's a lot. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Andrew. It was a pleasure. I'm happy to do it. And, uh, yeah, keep that conspiracy theory podcast in mind, that existential yes. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> if you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at something scary at snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com slash snarled. And if you'd like to join our Patreon, visit patreon.com slash snarled. Until next time, sweet dreams.